Hello and welcome to the Southampton audio programme for this evening's fixture against Brentford. In today's issue, we have a feature interview with your manager, Ruben Sellers, a word from Franny Benani, and of course, an update on your Southampton women's team. Dear supporters, good evening and welcome back to St Mary's for tonight's Premier League match against Brentford. I would like to welcome Thomas Frank, his staff and the players and congratulate Thomas on the amazing job they have done, not just this season, but over four and a half years of constant improvement. That is not easy to do. Brentford's position in the top half of the table, losing only five games, tells you how difficult they are to play against, but we are ready for the challenge. It has been ten days or so since my last programme notes and I have to say I am very pleased with the progress we have made as a team in that time. Against Manchester United on Sunday, once again you saw a team full of character, working together, playing for the Southampton badge that we are also proud to represent. Of course, the red card was a big moment in the game, but I felt we were doing well before that, and most of the best chances to score in the game were for us. For us to leave Old Trafford feeling disappointed with a point tells you everything about the performance. That's three clean sheets in our last four Premier League matches, which shows the progress in terms of organisation and togetherness. That means the players are working hard to cover for each other, to communicate with each other and to run for each other. As I have said from the first day I became the manager, we cannot achieve anything on our own. Every player needs their teammates, a technical staff and the fans to play their part. We have 12 Premier League games to go, 7 at home and we are ready to fight for every point. It is critical that we make St Mary's a really difficult place for our opponents to play and continue making positive steps forward together. We march on. Now time for your Southampton's women's update. Southampton FC women looked off colour in their opening game of March as they faced Charlton Athletic for the second time this season at the Valley. The first game of Saints as Barclays Women's Championship season saw them fall to a 2-0 defeat and despite losing only one league game since then, Marianne Spacey Chaos team rarely looked like avenging that earliest defeat throughout the 90 minutes in South East London. It was, however, Saints who enjoyed the first real chance of the game with less than five minutes on the clock. Sophia Farrow was left with her head in her hands as a Katie Wilkinson cross was flicked on by Ella Pusey, landing at her feet. With more time than she probably knew, she sent her shot well clear of the crossbar. Saints were made to pay for that early missed chance almost immediately as Charlton found themselves up the other end. Some uncharacteristically slow reactions at the back saw Beth Rowe able to jinx her way towards the goal line, slotting in low and hard in the net in the sixth minute. Despite being a relatively even first half, there had been little to write home about for either side, with the exception of the opening goal. Saints were quick to fashion a chance early in the second half, but again to no avail as Ella Morris threaded a diagonal ball across, which an outstretched pusey boot was inches from reaching. Changes saw Millie Mott and Beth Lumsden enter the fray in the 56th minute for Megan Collette and Pusey, respectively, with Lumsden looking bright in attack almost immediately, but to no real fruition. Despite more changes following as Lita Rutherford, Megan Wine and Alice Griffiths took to the pitch, Saints were still unable to break down the resilient Charlton defence. A last chance fell to Wilkinson after Beth Lumsden won a free kick on the edge of the box, but the effort flew just over the crossbar and it was not to be Saints' day. The result proved a frustrating one in what is an increasingly tight top half of the table. 
Rarely has the journey to Premier League management been as fascinatingly diverse as the route taken by Ruben Sellers. Few coaches can lay claim to a skill set quite as rounded as the Saints boss, whose unique path through life has led him to his dream opportunity. Since I first stepped into professional football, I had the target to be a professional manager. There are many different routes to the top job. Some are longer and more complex than others. Some take decades, some take months, some are fast-tracked straight out of stellar playing careers. But you won't find many like Ruben Sellers. It's amazing to think the Spaniard does not turn 40 until the summer, such as his wealth of experience, not just in work, but in life. Sellers has crammed a lot into his first four decades, most of it in the name of football. It's no surprise, with so much to fit in, that Sellers started early. He was only two years old when the World Cup of 1986 got underway in Mexico, in which Spain showed gradual improvement, losing to Brazil, scraping past Northern Ireland and slicing through Algeria. That set up a second round meeting with Denmark, an exciting team who dismantled Uruguay 6-1 in the group stage and overcome West Germany, the holders 2-0. Cure performance for the ages from Spain, then one of international football's great underachievers who came from a goal down to win 5-1 thanks to four goals from Emilio Brutregano. In true Spanish style of the time, they were eliminated in the next round by unfancied Belgium in a penalty shootout, but Sellers, who had just turned three, was already hooked. I remember asking my father for the Spanish shirt of Butrogreno. He smiles. I remember asking for that and he was not a big fan because Butrogreno was the Real Madrid striker and we are Valencia fans. He was not happy with that connection. I just remember that red shirt and Butrogreno. I wanted to dress like that. With reluctance, his father bought the shirt. I don't know if I still have that shirt or not, but he did it. He grins. Pleading for Bruce Regreno's Real Madrid number no. 7 jersey may have had a, a different outcome, but the Spain compromise was deemed just about acceptable. The Sellers family are not just Valencia followers from a distance, but regular match-going fans whose passion for the club has passed down through many generations. For Ruben, he would attend games at the Mistala with his grandfather in the club's golden era. Los Che won the Spanish Cup in 1999, the league in 2002 and 2004, and the UEFA Cup also in 2004. In that same period, at the turn of the century, Valencia reached back-to-back Champions League finals. They lost them both to Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, the latter on penalties. End of the world? Absolutely. Celes shakes his head, still haunted by the decisive spot kick in 2001, missed by one of his predecessors in the Saints' hot seat, Maurizio Pellegrino. When you are a fan and you have these experiences for Valencia and for the club, it was time to get it because it looked like now or never. Unfortunately, it has never been never, but that night it was close that we almost got it. By this time, Sellers was in his late teens and already embarking on his own coaching journey. He played too, but he's modest about his abilities. If I was a good player, I would make it, he shrugs, labelling himself a right-back or a centre-back, really strong in the defensive moment, but not with the best aptitude in possession. Determined? Exactly, that's a good way to describe it, he chuckles. If he wasn't going to play the game professionally, Sellers was going to do his damnedest to make sure he was involved in another capacity instead. At 16, he was already managing the under-9s of the club he played for in Valencia, Proleta FC, before starting his studies in physical science. When I needed to go to university, my idea was to be linked by sports, he explains. 
I started at the university that specialized in football and then everything came a little bit around it. I finished my bachelor degree and I still needed to continue growing up. So I went to Barcelona to make an MBA, which is a master of business administration, but with people in the football club Barcelona. Sellers name checks Paco Sarulo, who he refers to as Barcelona's meteorologist, as a key figure, a man described by Pep Guardiola as the best physical trainer I've ever worked with. Sarulo's impact on Barcelona dates back to 1978, when he was mostly devoted to coaching the club's handball team, dominating Spanish and European competitions. It was Johan Cruyff, interested in learning from other sports, who promoted him to physical trainer of the club's football team in 1994, believing in outside perspectives. At a time when fitness in footballers was built by grueling pre-seasons and hill runs, Sarulo's approach was different. Like that we lose time and energy, he reasoned. Instead, he incorporated agility and conditioning exercises into sessions with the ball, so all forms of training were integrated and technical aspects not neglected. Naturally, the players preferred it, and the team kept winning. Sellers eventually graduated with a PhD, also coaching the university football team and started his UEFA-B licence. I had some mates from the university who were linked with professional football, he says. One day, because I had all this background and I was having conversations and everything, the call just arrived. We have this opportunity, we need somebody like you to be on the technical staff. It was not a massive position, but it was the position that opened for me in professional football and I took it. That should come as no surprise, if there's one constant trend through Sellers' eventful life, which has now seen him coach professionally in seven different countries, it's his tendency to say yes to new opportunities. He loves to test himself and loves to learn. I don't know what a comfort zone is, to be honest with you. I've been living out of that comfort zone for 15 years, he states. Fundamentally, it's this approach that has taken him so far, in every sense, so quickly. From working as a fitness coach at Greek club Alice Veselonki, aged 25, he performed a similar role for Villarreal's youth team in Spain before travelling to Russia to be an assistant manager. He later worked as an assistant for Alice and in Azerbaijan and Denmark as a data analyst in Norway and even returned home to manage Valencia's under-18s before joining Saints from Copenhagen, Denmark, where he had gained more experience as a first-team number two. Those moves span from 2008 to 2022, a 14-year period in which Sellers gained a uniquely broad knowledge of how football clubs operate. He understands the role of the manager, the assistant, the fitness coach, the physio, the sports scientist, the analysts. He understands languages, cultures, personalities, all because he grabbed every opportunity that came his way. I think it says about me that I can almost do everything that I want to do. I'm ready to invest what I think is proper thing to invest, he says. Sometimes we need to be separated for a long time with the family, but as a family we decide to do it. I think it just put me in a position where I can understand almost every single point of view, but it is also making my life easier. I have 17 nationalities in the dressing room with different backgrounds, different religions, but because of my past, I have touched almost everything in one country or another country, so I know exactly how they feel and exactly what they need. I think it is a big advantage. I think he just says that I, I was a person that didn't wait for the opportunity to go try and get it and try to be honest and direct as possible and adapt himself to different scenario, which I think is very, very important quality in life. 
now when we are here talking, when I have a fantastic technical staff in Southampton, I know what is required to make every single activity they make, so I can demand exactly what I can demand from them. And I know how not to overload them. That is a big advantage for me. I know how much it takes you to analyse a football match, and it is not something you can make from one hour to the other. I know how much it takes you for to prepare a training session or a video session or to analyse the game from a statistical point of view. I did almost every single job in football, so I understand and I can demand. Sellers has faced challenges aplenty. Azerbaijan and Russia, he admits, were particularly testing ventures. Even coming to England, which was less of a culture shock and a language he could already speak, was difficult, he says, because it took a while to find a house he could move into. It is not really important, but you have the feeling that everything is temporary and sometimes that is not the best feeling. He plays the situation down, but it's a huge amount of upheaval and emotional strain. So why do it? Why put himself through this continuous back and forth across Europe from country to country, job to job, each role asking for something different to the last? His motivation right from the start was to get where he is today. Coming from a university background may have accelerated his education and enhanced his contacts, but how many top jobs go to people who haven't played in the game professionally? I always wanted to be close to football, but I thought it was very difficult to arrive. Very, 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 very difficult to be a manager, he stresses. But as soon as I stepped into professional football and I watched what is required, I have always wanted to try. I always wanted to be there to make one step forward and move from one position to the other, from one league to the other until the very top. As has been on trend throughout his unusual career, things have moved at a pace for Sellers ever since arriving in Southampton last summer as first team lead coach. Having joined a club that was settled under a long-term manager, the Spaniard has already worked under two bosses and has taken the job himself before the end of his first season in England. It's always an intriguing transition from assistant to manager, and one that often comes with scepticism. The impression is that the number two is usually the good cop and liked by players, which was evident after Sellers masterminded a 1-0 victory at Chelsea in his first game in charge, prompting hugs aplenty as the players encouraged him to bask in the applause of the travelling Saints fans at full time, playfully shoving him towards the away end. But how does he maintain that relationship in a squad of 30 first-team players when you can only play 11? I didn't have to change the way I am with the players, he says sternly. That's the big thing. You are the person you are. It doesn't matter which role you occupy. You need to be the same person. Yes, my responsibilities are different right now, but I didn't think I need to be any kind of approach with the players. I just need to communicate and make decisions that before I didn't need to make, but I do it in the same way. If somebody feels that it is a little bit different or there is more distance, then it's not on me because I just feel that I'm doing exactly the same. But of course, when you need to make that decision, it can put some distance with some people. Salas is naturally likeable, but not desperate to be liked. There has to be a degree of coldness to the decisive enough to start a new life as often as he has, but his people skills are a major strength. Another learning from his past is how to forge new relationships quickly. When Carl Walker-Peters describes his new boss, he breaks it down to his ability to use the right words at the right time. Ruben's gone about it in the way of working on people's mentality as opposed to pointing out what they've done wrong, the defender observes. Everyone knows when they've made a mistake, but when you do make a mistake, you have to continue playing. Buzzwords like we and trust are more common in the dressing room. 
Letters have been written to staff members and even partners, thanking them for their support, acknowledging their sacrifices and encouraging one more big push to keep Southampton in the Premier League. Publicly, Sellers refers to the house, meaning the club as a whole, the culture and relationships within the training ground being between players and staff. It's the house because the people living inside must be a family. We have standards, cultural standards that we need to respect and that's what we are working on now. To put it back in the house, in our behaviours, in the way we do things and when the new players or the foreign players need to understand what does this mean, he explains. If they want to be successful here, they need to find their way into the cultural aspects from us. Of course, in that culture there is open house for everybody, but the principles are always there and we should not forget I think it's simple because some of the time there is a grey area with a person coming from one background who understands something different and I can guide them into the way that leads uh, a better understanding from one to each other. Does it make sense? He asks, leaning forward in his seat. At the end of the day, it is one of the principles of leadership. You always have different characters. It doesn't matter if you live in a football club or a big company. You will have different characters and you need to analyse how you get the best of them. Our target at the end of the day is to elevate everybody to the next level. It doesn't matter in which position in the house or which position in the squad they have. When they finish with us, they are a better player, a better person than they were before. For that, you need to know them. You need to analyse them. You need to see how they react in different environments. But that is not always easy. But this is what we want to do. It's clear he wants to challenge his players. A fortnight ago, Sellers publicly demanded more from Romeo Lavia, one of the Saints' most impressive performances this season. I don't improvise, he smiles. Everything is planned out with a method behind it. Lavia has excelled in two games since, completing back-to-back 90 minutes for the first time since August. When Saints were beaten at home by League 2 opponents Grimsby in the FA Cup, many managers would insist on getting the results out of their system immediately, grateful for another game to put things right three days later. Sellers did the opposite. I said it's very important when you have a defeat like that that you sit and reflect. It's not like you move forward and try to forget. We are not forgetting. We cannot forget because if we forget, we will make the same mistakes. He declared before overseeing four points from the next two games against Leicester and Manchester United with two clean sheets. I was very pleased with the reaction, he nods. I think they did an amazing job, all of them. All of the boys, all of the technical staff, they are working really good and the results reflect of what we are doing and what the individuals are putting in for the club. I would be very pleased to keep this team in the Premier League. I think we need to go one step at a time, be careful with the message, but I will say that yes, we can do it and we will do our best to do it. It's sure to be a rocky road for the next couple of months, not just for Southampton, but for all nine clubs entangled in this season's unprecedented survival scrap. Luckily for Saints, they have a manager who's Never more at home than when he's outside his comfort zone. Whatever that is. Now time for your tactical watch, as usual, by Sam Ty. What kind of shape are Brentford heading to St Mary's in this week? The Bees lost to Everton at Goodison Park on Saturday and a remarkable 12-match unbeaten league run that began all the way back in October. It included wins over Manchester City and Liverpool, results that head coach Thomas Frank suggested were among the best in the club's entire history plus draws with Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur. After Saturday's match, Frank spoke of the immense frustration inside the dressing room. Now the streak has ended. The task for tonight is to respond well and reinstate another one as soon as possible, continuing their mission for a top-half finish. For Saints, it's about prolonging that feeling Brentford felt at 5pm on Saturday, in addition to continuing a nice, resurgent streak of their own.
What went wrong for Brentford up at Everton? It was a performance that flew in the face of the eleven before, as many of the things that typify this Brentford side seem to be missing, at least in the first half. It's rare to see the Bees lose a midfield battle, but they did so against Everton's competitive central trio. Amadou Anana, Abdullah Dekore and Idris Gay. sheer intensity seemed to make Brentford's own levels pale. It's also rare to see Frank's men struggle to do the basics well. Clean, box defending, set-piece dominance, passing efficiency and the like. Their week-in, week-out mastery of this stuff is almost their superpower and is what has helped them edge so many tight contests, but it was missing at Goodison Park. What can Saints take from it and use to find success in this match? Brentford's midfield set-up struggled with Everton's three on Saturday, which is something Southampton can try to take advantage of here. Remy Alavio, James Ward-Prowse and Carlos Alcaraz are full of running and intensity and if they can start fast, they can shake this game in Saints' favour. The centre-backs are in for an examination as Ivan Tony comes to town. Everton did extremely well to double up on him where possible and limit his influence. Southampton will need to be so similar in their physical and unyielding in the air to replicate that work. The others must be wary though of Brian and Buemo's clever runs off the back of Tony's target man play. Brentford's set-pieces are among the cleverest in the league, standing out in one unique way. The ball swung into the back post are often chested down by the player rather than added straight at goal, and that leads to defenders over-committing and opening gaps. In attack, Ruben Sellers and his staff will have taken note of how influential Dwight McNeil was on Saturday from the left flank. Not only did he score the game's only goal very early, but he was found wide open on that side multiple times by switch passes in transition. In Kamaladeline Sumalamana, Saints have a similar ball-carrying threat who may find joy. It was good to see the Saints get their win against Leicester in our last home game, and it was a good reaction to what was a disappointing exit from the FA Cup. It was great to take the lead in the game with a very well-taken and well-worked goal from Charlie Alcaraz. There were some really positive signs and a positive atmosphere inside St Mary's, and the win with a clean sheet made it the perfect boost for all of us. The three points lifted us off the bottom of the table and made things just a little bit tighter with teams placed from 12th to 20th separated by just six points at the time of writing. It sets us up nicely ahead of the international break. United last weekend, Brentford today and Spurs on Saturday sees us face opponents operating well in the top half of the Premier League, but it should be a challenge we look forward to, particularly with two home fixtures. There is often a team that drops like a stone from mid-table and gets caught in the relegation battle. We have just got to capitalise on the momentum we can gain from good results like the Leicester win. Brentford is a rearranged fixture from the earlier season and like a game in hand for us. Most people would rather have points on the board, but it is important we capitalise on the opportunities that come our way. This is especially true with a chance to put things right after the disappointing result we had away at Brentford. It will be tough though, as Brentford are one of the form teams in the league, 12 games unbeaten before the weekend. It is important to assess all our games with honesty. The loss to Grimsby in the FA Cup was unacceptable and a dire night where we didn't take advantage of the opportunity to progress to the quarterfinals. We just didn't show up and it was a night where we learnt our lessons. But it was good to see us then respond in a good manner against Leicester. It is almost a month since Ruben Sellers' first game in permanent charge and I look on his time at the helm so far positively. Two wins from his opening three league games puts his starts up there with some of the best we've seen from Saints managers. The performance that he got in the Premier League have seen us turn around and there is a notable difference. I'm delighted for him and it was exactly what the club needed to produce a shift in the right direction. It's clear his guidance on the training ground is working. 
The games we've seen so far have all been 1-0 results, so Saints are managing to keep things tight. The two clean sheets have been hugely positive because, as we know, keeping the ball out of your own goal means that you only have to score one to get the crucial three points. Franny.